Trades Work, the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Dave DeVito. Hi there, welcome to Trades Work. I am your guest host today, Monica Burton. Dave DeVia is on vacation this week, so I have the pleasure of having Nate Nicodemus in studio with me. Welcome, Nate. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me today. Excited about this today. Absolutely. Well, I am excited to hear from you specifically, Nate, as a leader in the plumbing field. We've seen so much change and growth in the trades in the last couple of years, and I'm excited to hear from you. So, um, I would love for you to just kind of tell us a little about yourself. How did you get into the trades? What made you decide to go this route? I got into the trades as a, I needed something to do. So as my dad was working at Hayden Power Plant, he was like, why don't you go apply at 145? I'm like, you know, the last thing I want to do is construction. So I went down and the paychecks kept coming and the career opportunities kept coming. So I just stuck with it. And it's been 22 years. I've moved in the office, so it's been a pleasant journey. Now, you work and live in Grand Junction, correct? Correct. Have you always been in Grand Junction? No, I grew up in Craig, Colorado. We moved here in 1998 and got into the trades in 2000. So it was the wife decided to move here to go to cosmetology school. So I bounced around doing odd jobs and fell into what I'm doing now. I'm going to be honest, if I hadn't gotten a business degree and ended up working in a trade association, there's a huge piece of me that wishes I had gone to cosmetology school when I was 18. Smart move on your wife's part. Well, she enjoyed it. She's really good. But unfortunately, she had a cyst to start growing in her hand. Oh, no. And the doctor's like, I can operate on it, but you're going to lose a lot of function in your hand. So she's like, well, it's time to do something else. So it was kind of a blessing because then everything just kind of fell into place. We had her first kid 11 years ago, so I was fortunate enough that she just stayed at home and went to work at the kids' school now. Awesome. Well, and that's the beauty of working in the trades too, right? She chose a trade path as well, just a different trade, and was able to transition her skills and do something different when it wasn't the right path for her anymore. Exactly. So as a project manager, tell us a little bit of what your job looks like. You see all facets of any particular project or job. What's a normal day for you? I don't know if there is a normal day at being at PM. I come in early because I like to be in the office kind of started by seven when all the guys start. So then some days I won't hear from anybody, but most days I start hearing from the guys about 7.05 with issues or problems that have came up with the day. And it's just kind of managing that, managing people, subcontractors, general contractors, and with everything else right now, I'm sure it's like everybody else, just material procurement with the crazy world we live in. Well, and tell us a little bit more about that. How much have you guys been impacted by the supply shortage that we're seeing everywhere? It's sometimes hour to hour. It's sometimes it's just regular copper press fittings to hex fittings that have become short supply. So we're really having to work with the general contractors on the front end of these jobs and try to procure big equipment, like for a hospital we're getting ready to do. We've got the new boilers and some of the other major equipment on hand about six months before we'll put them in place just to secure pricing for them. Yeah, having to stockpile boilers the way we're stockpiling toilet paper is a little bit strange, but that's what we got to do. Exactly. (laughs) 
So when you start getting calls from your guys out on jobs at 7.05, do you have to go out to the sites? Are you hands-on with them? Or do you get to, as the project manager, stay back at the office and kind of troubleshoot from the office? It really depends on the situation and what's arising. Sometimes if it's a major one, I'll go to sites, see what I can do. If there's something like equipment manufacturers or stuff like that that I need to deal with, and I can do troubleshooting on site. I will just go and do that. But sometimes it's just trying to get ahead of my guys with supply house or getting subcontractors to site. So it's really specific to the job and specific to the need. I like to go out at least once a week to all my jobs and tour it and find what the guys don't want me to see because that's what yeah. I like to do. Well, don't look over there. Why? Oh, there's nothing <laughs> <going on. laughs> It's like your kids hiding stuff under their bed. They'll never okay. see it. Yeah. They won't be smart enough to look there. No, he'll never know. Tell us about kind of your path to getting to project manager. You were on the job site, I'm assuming. You started from a bunch of different positions. What did that look like? How long were you actually out in the field each day? And what what made you decide, you know, I think I want to be project manager? I got in not really knowing anything about the trade and just started going through the apprenticeship and started looking at some of the guys that were running jobs and everything and thinking, well, I might be able to do it different. I might be able to do it better. And then really progressed fast for me. I was a foreman for about a year and a half, the superintendent. And then about two years into that, our vice president, Charlie Lee, is like, hey, you want to come be a project manager? It's really fun. Sure. Why not? Sure. And boy, that was a steep learning curve on that one. Because when you're a foreman, you have a lot of power. A lot of things are under your control. And being a PM, you have to change your mindset and more support basically for the guys out in the field and that was my biggest thing was trying to let go of some of the things that i was controlled in the field and try to become a better leader instead of doing it all myself that was a big thing especially with some of my original projects i put together myself charlie lee would come in and said you know that's not going to work right he's like i'm like why well you're not doing it i'm like oh yeah that's what you're saying (laughs) Yeah, I think probably one of the hardest parts of being in a leadership role is the ability to delegate. We all kind of, well, I know how to do it. Let me hang on to it. So I'm sure that was definitely a shift. Um, Have you always been at this same company? Have you always worked with Charlie? Yes, I've been very fortunate and been here with 22 years. So it's, my paychecks kept coming and they kept treating me better. So I'm like, why would I go anywhere? And that's really good to hear. Tell us a little bit about Charlie. I know I've heard a little bit about Charlie. What's it like to work for Charlie? And who is Charlie? For those who don't know what company you work for. Charlie Lee's our vice president. He pretty much runs our day-to-day stuff here. And he has been very good for me and my family. Not just personally, but professionally. Mm-hmm. He's supportive. And he's one of the guys that anytime you need something, no matter when it is, you can call them and it's like, okay, let's figure it out. Take a lot of pride in what I do. And a lot of times I'll try and I'll get to a point in a project or something. I'm like, what should I do? And he's like, what do you think you should do? I'm like, okay, I see how this is going to go. Really so give you an opportunity to grow. Yes. And fully supportive of myself and everybody else in the office. As an owner and a friend, you couldn't ask for much more out of that. That's awesome. Well, and we hear that so much. I know you're in Grand Junction, you're at Falcon Plumbing. But we hear from lots of our other trades folks, like, it's a family. I stayed in this trade because I was treated really well. It was good for me personally and professionally, and it allowed me to grow the way I wanted to grow. And that's one thing we try to do here at Falcon is promote from within and treat everybody well. It's 
something that Charlie's done for me and I try to pass along as much as I can to the guys in the field as well. We travel a lot from where we are. I mean, we go Steamboat, Aspen, Telluride. And I think I've got some guys I know in Denver that are like, well, I travel half an hour. I'm like, we're traveling an hour. <laughs> it's a long commute for some guys. Yeah. West Slope is not the same as Denver Metro. No. it's It is a different world. It's tough, and it's tough getting the younger generation in here. That's what we're kind of struggling with now is how to entice these guys that yeah. don't want to go. Well, and it's, it's a challenge, and it's a challenge we hear everywhere is that workforce development piece. You walked us through a little bit how quick your trajectory was from kind of entry level to leadership. When you're out and you're working with your teams and you're talking to your guys, is it easy for you to spot like, this guy's going to make it, he's going to promote quickly, I want to really focus some attention there, or is it kind of a wait and see? It depends on the person. There's some of them you can tell right away that they're going to be a shining star. So you try to take them into your, under our wing as a company and try to mm-hmm. promote them and keep them. Because, you know, with the, being in the, I used to be on the JTC, but Charlie's kind of taking that position back. And that's what I would try to do on that board is try to look out for those superstars, if you will, that are coming through their apprenticeship. But it's also not fair to them in some aspects to keep them with the same, list, but the same company. Because there's different aspects from other companies that they need to learn. Hopefully, you know, guys jump around and, we try to be the best company we can for them. Well, and tell us a little bit more about the JATC. If someone's listening to this podcast who doesn't know how apprenticeship works, doesn't understand, earlier you referenced 145. How does that relationship work with your local union and with the JATC and your company? We try to stay pretty involved with either Charlie or myself being on the board. So we get a good idea of what's going through the apprentices. And you can kind of get a feel when they have personal problems going on. So you can, if they get pulled in front of the board, you know, you can go through it and try to help them instead of just kicking them out of the program if they need a helping hand. As I've become the project manager I am now, I haven't had the time like I used to with the JTC. So I used to be pretty involved, but as my role here at Falcon is involved, it's kind of my time has not been, I haven't been able to stay there like I wanted to. But I try to stay there. I've only been teaching MedGas certifications is about extent of it what I do right now but it's okay. it's nice getting there and seeing those apprentices the apprentice comes in to their local 145 in your case starts taking their classes through the joint apprenticeship training center that JATC and then gets to interact with professionals like yourself who are out in the field every day yeah they'll go in go through our interview process to get this past you a job and hopefully stay with us and progress through their five-year apprenticeship program which is pretty tough because a lot of the guys here we have most of our classes Friday Saturdays which is all day, which is kind of tough with working with Daniel and that Daniel's transition to a lot of it to online as much as we can. And that's helped out with their apprenticeship a lot. Yeah, I bet that flexibility, I'm sure, is really helpful for, for a lot of people. And it is. Apprenticeship is a tough program, but it's also such a unique learning opportunity to earn while you learn, learn from professionals and get all that hands-on experience that it's, it's a very unique model. Well, you get to become the brotherhood that you are once you become a journeyman. It's, you hold a lot more esteem for the guys that have came through their apprenticeship and done it that way because you know it's a sacrifice in some aspects of taking away from your time. But it's once you turn out, it's, it's nice. This question is one I ask of everyone that I interview, and I'm curious what you will say. If you are looking back at your full 20-year career, you've worked on a lot of projects, you've worked on a lot of job sites, what's the coolest project you've ever worked on? I have one being a hospital, Valley Hospital in Glenwood, that I started out as an apprentice there, foreman, superintendent, in the project management, and it's it's been a great thing for my career. 
it's went from just normal little small remodels to this last year when we completely redid a powerhouse with new boilers, chillers, cooling towers, and just being an intricate part of that and that facility where you become friends with some of the doctors and things that are there. And it's just, it's more than just a job that you'll do in no way. It's a career changer, if you will. When you mentioned some of those different projects, boilers, chillers, cooling rooms, when Joe Blow on the street thinks about a plumber, that's not what he thinks about. No. What are some of the the best and funniest misconceptions you've heard from people when you, when they're like, oh, you're a professional plumber? I don't know if it's so much funny, but you're like, oh, you're a plumber. And you're just like, well, what, is, what do you mean by that? It's kind of kind of looked down upon in the construction industry. And you're like, we're as much as vital as anybody else out there. I was like, with some of the stuff we do that I don't think they understand with like the hospital work with the RODI systems. Med gas and what we're doing now with bipolar ionization and UV lights in these units. I'm like, and then you start explaining this, you're like, oh, well, you're not just a fat guy with a plumber crack. <laughs> so it's not just it's not just sinks and toilets. Is that what you're saying? I know it's so weird. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the most common thing that I hear from people is, well, yeah, plumbers do sinks and toilets. Plumbers do so much more, and I don't think that there's really a, an understanding of what that means. No, it's just the common misconception that we're not that vital. You know, like, like you said, it's more than toilets and sinks. You've been doing this a long time, and you've gotten to do a lot of projects and touch a lot of different people's lives. Do you think that serving in this industry has given you an, impact, an opportunity to really impact your community? It has. The wife and I have got some charities that we give faithfully to, mm-hmm. and it's, as the kids are starting to grow older, I'm able to take a little bit of time off here and there when I need to to go help support them and be one of those parents that are always there, which I really wanted. And that's kind of why I was leading myself in this direction. And it's, you know, with the things that we do, and it's just, my kids are young, so it's pretty much everything revolves around them and the wife. Well, and it sounds like doing this work for as long as you have and building that reputation has has given you a lot of that freedom and that your company's okay with you spending that time with family or doing what you need to do, which is, which is a gift. It's very nice. And it's, I do put my time here in the office. I'm here 12 hours a day a lot of time. Yep. But if I need to duck out for a little bit, it's understood. Absolutely. I have one more question for you. And I ask this of everyone, and it's one of my favorite things to find out. If you had chosen another profession, if you had gone a different way at the very beginning, and you could do anything else, what would you do? I'm fulfilled with what I do right now. So I don't. The one thing I think I would have done is stayed in school. So when I was in going to college, I was going for psychology and sociology. But I was kind of looking at the end and I ain't saying it, but the money. And to make good money, it was going to be the doctorate. I'm like, I don't know if I have that. I don't know if I want to go that far. But it's some of the things that I did in psychology helps me, or I, I'd like to believe it helps me become a better leader. Well, and I'm sure a better project manager, like understanding people makes you a good leader. Well, and how to deal with my own faults and how to overcome them. Like my temper is one of them that I work on every day. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all have our skeleton. It's okay. Yes. <laughs> if there was any other kind of insight or tidbit that you want the public to know about what it means to be a professional plumber or the opportunity that it's provided you, what would that be? Come into the trades. Try it. It's provided a great life for me and a lot of other people that have been around me. They're supported by the industry as well, not just here in the trade, but vendors, suppliers, and everything all the way around. Like you, you think about just being a plumber, but there's much more to it than it's real life. And it sounds like you've gotten to experience some really cool things and gotten to 
to live the life that you wanted to live. So that's awesome. My life's been fulfilled. I have no complaints. Well, I appreciate your time. We're really lucky to have partners like you and partners like Falcon Plumbing at Rocky Mountain MCA. So thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you guys for the opportunity. Tradeswork is a production of the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association. For more information about our organization, please visit rmmca.org.